Hello, this is Father John Arthur or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 16th program on Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The 133 talks given by Pope John Paul II between 1979 and 1984. The reality of the gift and of the act of giving, which is sketched in the first chapters of Genesis as the constitutive content of the mystery of creation, confirms that the irradiation of love is an integral part of this same mystery. Only love creates the good, and in the end it alone can be perceived in all its dimensions and in its contours in created things, and above all, in man. Its presence is the final result, as it were, of the hermeneutics of the gift we are carrying out here. Original happiness, the beatifying beginning of man, whom God created male and female, the spousal meaning of the body in its original nakedness, all of this expresses rootedness in love. This consistent giving, which goes back to the deep roots of consciousness and the subconscious, and to the final levels of the subjective existence of both man and woman, and which is reflected in their reciprocal experience of the body, bears witness to rootedness in love. The first verses of the Bible speak of it so much that they remove all doubt. They speak not only about the creation of the world and about man in the world, but also about grace, that is, about the self-communication of holiness, about the irradiation of the Holy Spirit, which produces a special state of spiritualization in the first man, in biblical language, that is, in the language of revelation, the qualification first means precisely of God. Adam, son of God, Luke chapter 3, verse 38. Happiness is being rooted in love. Original happiness speaks to us about the beginning of man who emerged from love and initiated love. And this happened irrevocably despite the subsequent sin and death. In his time, Christ was to be a witness to this irreversible love of the Creator and Father which had already expressed itself in the mystery of creation and in the grace of original innocence. For this reason, also the common beginning of man and woman, that is, the original truth of their body and masculinity and femininity, to which Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 turns our attention, does not know shame. One can define this beginning also as the original and beatifying immunity from shame as the result of love, the mystery of original innocence, gift to the human heart. This immunity directs us toward the mystery of man's original innocence. Innocence is a mystery of man's existence before the knowledge of good and evil and, as it were, outside of that knowledge. The fact that man exists in this way before the breaking of the first covenant with his creator, belongs to the fullness of the mystery of creation. If creation is a gift given to man, as we have already said, then its fullness and its deepest dimension is determined by grace, that is, by participation 
in the inner life of God himself, in his holiness. In man, this holiness is also the inner foundation and source of his original innocence. With this concept, and more precisely with that of original justice, theology defines the state of man before original sin. In the present analysis of the beginning, which paves for us the indispensable ways toward understanding the theology of the body, we must dwell on the mystery of man's original state. In fact, precisely this consciousness of the body, or even better, consciousness of the meaning of the body, on which we are trying to throw light through the analysis of the beginning, reveals the distinctive character of original innocence. What becomes perhaps most of all directly apparent in Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 is precisely the mystery of this innocence which both the man and the woman bore within themselves from the beginning. The body itself of each is a witness of this characteristic, in some way an eyewitness. It is significant that the statement contained in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, about reciprocal nakedness, free from shame, is a statement unique in its kind in the whole Bible, so much so that it was never to be repeated. On the contrary, we can quote many texts in which nakedness is linked with shame or even, in a still stronger sense, with defilement. In this wide context, the reasons are all the more visible for discovering in Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 a particular trace of the mystery of original innocence and a particular factor of its radiation into the human subject. This innocence belongs to the dimension of grace contained in the mystery of creation, that is, to the mysterious gift made to man's innermost being, to the human heart that allows both the man and the woman to exist from the beginning in the reciprocal relationship of the disinterested gift of self. Included in this is the revelation together with the discovery of the spousal meaning of the body in its masculinity and femininity. One can understand why we speak in this case about revelation together with discovery. From the point of view of our analysis, it is essential that the discovery of the spousal meaning of the body takes place through original innocence. Even better, it is this discovery that unveils original innocence and makes it evident. Original Innocence and Consciousness of the Spousal Meaning of the Body Original innocence belongs to the mystery of man's being, from which he then separated himself by committing the original sin. This does not mean, however, that he is not able to approach this mystery by his theological knowledge. Historical man attempts to understand the mystery of original innocence, as it were, through a contrast, that is, by going back also to the experience of his own guilt and of his own sinfulness. He seeks to understand original innocence as a characteristic that is essential for the theology of the body, taking as his point of departure the experience of shame. In fact, the biblical text points him in this direction. Original innocence is thus 
that which radically, that is, at its very roots, excludes the shame of the body in the relation between man and woman, that which eliminates the necessity of this shame in man, in his heart, or his consciousness. Although original innocence speaks above all about the gift of the Creator, about grace, which made it possible for man to live the meaning of the primary gift of the world, and in particular the meaning of reciprocal gift of one person to the other through masculinity and femininity in this world, nevertheless, this innocence seems to refer first of all to the interior state of the human heart, of the human will. At least indirectly, it includes the revelation and discovery of human moral consciousness, the revelation and discovery of the whole dimension of conscience, obviously before the knowledge of good and evil. In a certain sense, one should understand it as original righteousness. In the prism of our historical a posteriori, we are thus trying to reconstruct in some way the proper character of original innocence, understood as the content of the reciprocal experience of the body, as the experience of its spousal meaning according to the testimony of Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Since happiness and innocence are inscribed in the frame of the communion of persons, like two converging lines of man's existence in the very mystery of creation, the beatifying consciousness of the meaning of the body, that is, of the spousal meaning of human masculinity and femininity, is conditioned by original innocence. There is no obstacle, it seems, against understanding this original innocence as a particular purity of heart preserving interior faithfulness to the gift according to the spousal meaning of the body. Consequently, original innocence conceived in this way manifests itself as a tranquil witness of conscience that, in this case, precedes any experience of good and evil. Yet this serene witness of conscience is something all the more beatifying. One can say, in fact, that consciousness of the spousal meaning of the body in its masculinity and femininity becomes humanly beatifying only through this witness. We will devote the next meditation to this topic, namely, to the link between man's innocence, purity of heart, and his happiness, which becomes evident in the analysis of his beginning. With these words, our Holy Father concludes his Sixteenth Catechesis, on man and woman he created them, a theology of the body. Having given sixteen conferences, sixteen of these catechetical moments, preaching to the whole world and the Catholic Church in particular, Pope John Paul II has brought us to this point, to focus on the original innocence and consciousness of the spousal meaning of the body. But how did he get there? He reminded us of Christ's appeal to the beginning. What was the plan of God for holy marriage in the beginning? Man and woman, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The two stories of creation, complementing the redemption of the body in the New Testament by the death and resurrection of Christ, the bridegroom of the church. 
how God created us, human beings, male and female in the divine image, unlike any of the other creatures on the face of the earth. At last, this, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We see the original solitude of man. We see the original unity of the two. We see the communion of persons between our first parents, Adam and Eve. We see the union of husband and wife, male and female. We see the two become one flesh. We see how they are naked without shame before the fall. God created all things and he saw that they were good. And they were naked without shame. Shame enters the picture with sin. The Holy Father has spoken to us about man in the dimension of gift. The spousal meaning of the body, where husband and wife give themselves to each other, each to the other. This man for this woman, this woman for this man. This husband for this wife of his. This wife for this husband of hers. And they give themselves having been in possession of themselves self-possessed people of virtue acting according to the nature they have received in their being in their having been created by the good and loving god the god who is love who made us to his image to be giving of ourselves to be generous no one forced god to make us no one has forced god to redeem us no one should force us to believe in God, but it is strongly recommended. It is strongly encouraged. Why not worship the one in whose image we're made? Why not worship the one who made us for himself, for ourselves? The Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, has spoken to us about the spousal character of the body and the revelation of the person. We're persons, human persons, made in the image of God, who is a trinity of persons an individual substance of a rational nature. That's the classic Boethian definition of what is a person. The body reveals the person. The Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, has spoken to us about the spousal meaning of the body as the fruit of rootedness in love. The body is made for love, husband for wife, wife for husband, and the fruit of their union is God's greatest gift in marriage, the child. In today's catechesis, Pope John Paul II turns the corner in this fifth section of chapter 1, focusing our attention on the mystery of original innocence, a gift of God to the human heart, original innocence and consciousness of the spousal meaning of the body. This is not the first time we've seen that word original juxtaposed with another term, original unity original solitude, original nakedness. Now we have original innocence and consciousness of the spousal meaning of the body. Meaning is important. Things mean something. When you pat someone on the back and say, good job, unless you're lying, what? It means good job. When you poke somebody in the eye or punch them in the nose, it means something. There is something not right in the relationship there violence. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what our Lord calls us to be. So looking a little closer at this 16th catechesis of the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, man and woman, he created them a theology of the body. In the Waldstein edition, we see many things which return our gaze, the way we look, the way we think back to God. The Holy Father focuses our attention on the act of giving. Who gives what? You go to a birthday party. If it's your party, you might be getting gifts. 
but that you receive gifts on your birthday presupposes the gift of life, the gift of existence, the gift of love from your parents who brought you to that moment, the gift of God. In holy marriage, the husband and wife give themselves to each other. This is my body given up for you. Words not just spoken at the cross, not just spoken in the upper room the night before the Lord died, not just spoken at each mass, but spoken in the nuptial chamber. This is my body given up for you. I give you my word till death do us part, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Pope John Paul II is turning our way of thinking to correspond with this generosity of God in whose image we're made. He calls it the hermeneutics of the gift. If we're made to the image of God, then we need to mirror God in our existence. And no one forced God to create us. He gave us existence. No one has forced God to redeem us. He gave us his son that we might be converted and live. God gives us grace. He gives us faith. He gives us his word in sacred scripture, his presence in the sacraments. God is giving the hermeneutics, the interpretive key of the gift. Generosity is one of the moral virtues, part of how we're true to our nature. We see God's giving in the mystery of creation, and it's important to remember that key phrase, that key word, mystery. Not only is God a mystery, but man, the human person, male and female, our very being is mysterious. We can say so much about ourselves. Where were we born? Who are our parents? Where have we gone to school? Where do we live? What music do we like or food do we enjoy? These are things we can explain, things we know very well, but it does not exhaust our very being, who we are. Creation is a mystery, and the human being is a part of God's good creation. When using the phrase hermeneutics of the gift, it reminds us of interpretation of sacred scripture. Pope John Paul II, after all, has spent how many years of his life before he went to his eternal reward interpreting sacred scripture as well as interpreting philosophical texts. He shows us the richness, the depth of the meaning found in the first verses of Genesis. Oh yes, they speak to us about the creation of the world, but they also speak to us about man in the world. They also speak to us about grace. They also speak to us about what the Holy Father calls the irradiation of the Holy Spirit. So God is not just in his heaven. God has come to earth, not only in the person of the eternal Son made man, Mary's Son, the Lord Jesus, our crucified and risen Savior, but that same Lord Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, that same breath of God which hovered over the waters in the beginning at the creation. The Lord and the giver of life has been present and is present still. And these things are all found in the first verses of the first book of sacred scripture, Genesis. That's the basis of so much of these talks of Pope John Paul II, man and woman, he created them a theology of the body. He focuses on Christ in the gospel. In the beginning, it was not so. And then he goes back to Genesis, to the Torah, the Pentateuch. In the beginning, male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. We see in these opening words of sacred scripture, three original moments 
our Holy Father presents them to us in the 16th Catechesis, original happiness, original innocence, and original truth, originality, the origin of the race, God, the end or the goal, our direction, the telos, where are we headed? Well, if we act in accordance with our nature and God's grace, we will end up with eternal happiness in heaven. But the original happiness of which the Holy Father speaks reminds us that this is all before the fall. Sadness, sorrow, shame comes with sin. Our Lord Jesus suffered and died to restore to us a modicum of joy, a modicum of happiness, even in this life, even as we await that happiness with no end on high, thanks to God's mercy, thanks to God's grace, thanks to Jesus Christ, crucified and glorified. The Holy Father, in speaking to us about original innocence, reminds us again, this is before the fall. When God saw all that he had made and saw that it was good, when Adam saw Eve and they were naked and unashamed, they did not covet their bodies, they did not covet their neighbor, they recognized another self. At last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, purity of heart, present in the sacred text, called for by the Lord in the gospel, and realized fully in the life to come. Lost innocence is restored, we pray, at the vigil of Easter, in the song to the candle, exultant. Oh, 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 happy fall, O necessary sin of Adam, which gained for us so great a redeemer. The song goes on about on this holy night, lost innocence restored, the innocence which was lost by the fall, original innocence, of which our Holy Father spoke in his catechesis. Not only original happiness, not only original innocence, but original truth, the truth about God and the truth about the human person, man and woman, male and female, in the image of God, called to greatness, called to holiness, called to live in a communion of persons, not only husband and wife, and God willing, the children to come, but even that human family with that communion of persons which has always been and always will be Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit. When our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, reminds us of original truth, he reminds us again of what the Second Vatican Council taught in Article 22 of Gaudium et Spes. Jesus Christ reveals God to man and man to himself. The Holy Father is reminding us of these eternal truths which were revealed even in the beginning. He has spoken to us about reciprocity, free from shame, naked without shame. Adam was without garment and Eve too. But not only were they without garments, they were without shame. We who live after the fall, even though we likewise live after the redemption, we still suffer shame because we still have the consequences of the fall even after baptism. Suffering, death, ignorance, and a tendency to do evil, a tendency to sin, which is called concupiscence. This, too, is part of the truth, the truth of our very being. But in the beginning it was not so. God made all that he made and saw that it was good. Christ our Lord has come to redeem what was good, that we might be good again, not only in potency, potentially in heaven,
but even in act, in the here and now, by God's grace in us, received through the sacraments, received through the mediation of that pillar of truth, which sacred scripture calls the church. Pope John Paul II again reminds us who read his writings and those who heard him speak these words some years ago about that disinterested gift of self. It's not as if the Holy Father is telling us, I don't care, don't care what you're doing. Not that sort of disinterestedness. It's more an altruism. It's more generosity. I give of myself because it is good for me to give and it is good for you to receive. This is what our Holy Father is reminding us when he speaks about the reciprocal relationship of the disinterested gift of self, the husband giving his whole self to God through his bride, and the wife giving her whole self to God through her husband. And in this mutual generosity, in this reciprocal disinterested gift of self, their relationship blossoms between themselves. And so often the good God grants that greatest gift in holy marriage, which is the child. Pope John Paul II acknowledges, having read these passages of sacred scripture, both our Lord in the Gospel and Moses in the first book of scripture, and he recognizes a certain consciousness, an awareness of the spousal meaning of the body through analysis, yes, through study, yes, but also through a receptive reading, through a receptive hearing, recognizing that through this hermeneutic, this interpretive key of the gift, that even the human body made for each other, male and female. The Holy Father brings his natural understanding, his natural powers of knowledge, but he also brings that revealed body of wisdom, theological knowledge, all of which helps him and now us to understand these things, these deep truths, truths about God, truths about the human person, truth about our ability to know what good we should do and what evil we should avoid. Even before the fall, the Holy Father draws our attention to human moral consciousness. Adam saw Eve. He recognized what was good, that she was a helpmate, bone from his bone, flesh from his flesh. He recognized another self. He saw the personal value, the personal dignity. He saw God's gift, and he reciprocated. Pope John Paul II uses a phrase, the beatifying beginning, the beatifying consciousness of the meaning of the body. We don't often use that word beatifying in English. There is a title for those on their way to canonization, blessed so-and-so. We're praying for the beatification of Pope John Paul II. We've already had the beatification of Teresa of Calcutta and so many other holy personages. Beatifying consciousness of the meaning of the body. The beatifying beginning. Beatitude is another name for heavenly bliss, seeing God face to face. If we recognize the human body for what it is, part of God's good creation, that which manifests the person, we are not just our bodies, we're not just our souls, we're body-soul composites, then that will impact the way we think about each other and deal with each other and even about and with ourselves. 
We will recognize how good it is to care for our health, to get enough sleep, to eat enough food and to eat good food, to get exercise, to work, to play, to pray. All of these things, part of our natural human understanding, reflected in that revealed law of God given to Moses on Sinai's height, the revealed moral conscience and the naturally knowable conscience, this is part of the theology of the body. This is part of the message Pope John Paul II is trying to get across, not only to those who first heard him, but even to us who read him some years now after he has gone to his eternal reward. Until next time, God bless you.